Welcome to the Viauto Podcast's special series, Retail Revival. In the series, we'll be taking a closer look at the operational challenges, issues, and opportunities dealers across the country are facing with the COVID-19 crisis. In each series episode, Viauto thought leaders and dealers will share their insights and perspectives to help you manage your business today and find your way to a brighter tomorrow. I'm your host, Lance Helgeson with Viauto. Our guest today for this Retail Revival podcast is V-Auto founder and Cox Automotive Executive Vice President Dale Pollock. Our conversation today will be a bit of a departure from recent podcast episodes. Today we're going to reflect on how the COVID-19 pandemic may change the car business and how it probably won't change some of the bedrock aspects of the business we all know and love. Dale, welcome to the program. Thanks, Lance. Good to be with you again. Indeed. Well, you know, Dale, I know from your blogs and your books that you have written several times about the need for dealers to improve human capital efficiency. And I guess I'm wondering, based on what you're seeing in the current market, if we may be at a place where there's an opportunity for dealers to actually become more efficient with their employee performance and teams. What are your thoughts there? You're right, Lance. For some time now, I've been speaking about the need for greater operational efficiency across the dealership. And if there's any silver lining to be found in this COVID-19 situation, I think it's the realization that dealers have come to that they can actually do more with less. And it's not necessarily because they wanted to, but because they had to. But nevertheless, I think it sets the tone that it can be done. So I think that that is a positive outcome of this situation. I'm curious, Dale, I've talked to some dealers where salespeople are working from home, working and closing more deals, and there's actually more F&I income. And I guess, is that similar to what you're seeing from dealers that you talk to as well? It is. It's really extraordinary, Lance, speaking to dealers and hearing their stories about how they're selling cars under the most unusual and unexpected circumstances. I recall one conversation particular with a dealer at the height of the crisis where they said that their doors were locked and that people would come to the glass and they would connect with them through the glass of the locked front door and present documentation visible through the glass and then people could go to their cars, they'd slide the door open slightly, hand paperwork through, People would go to their vehicles, review the documents, call on the telephone if they had any questions, execute the documents in their vehicle, and then return them through a slit in the front door. And you really couldn't imagine more difficult circumstances to sell a vehicle, and yet an extraordinary amount of vehicles have been sold under such conditions. That seems like a pretty dramatic departure from the idea of the showroom being a place where dealers can kind of control the aspects of the deal. And I guess, what are you hearing from dealers? I got to believe at some level there's a little bit of a discomfort here. This is unknown territory. And how are dealers coming to peace with that, if at all? Well, you know, interestingly, it seems that although you would think it would be uncomfortable, you know, necessity breeds invention. And I actually detect a spirit of reinvention on the part of dealers that they're actually, I don't want to say they're having fun with it because I don't 
think that fun characterizes it, but I think it's that there is a certain excitement of discovery that business can be done in ways that none of us ever would have expected to be the case. So in that regard, it's invention and invention is exciting. And I want to go back, I get, you know, as I think about conversations I've had where dealers are delivering cars in Walmart parking lots and, and things, and, and in fact, the showroom is sort of secondary. What's your take, Dale, on the point that, you know, factories take an awful lot of pride in their brand programs, and to some degree, dealers accept or reject the factory parameters for how their facilities should look and how much they should invest. I'm wondering, from what we're seeing today, what do you see happening with that sort of standard friction point around facilities between dealers and their OEM partners? Well, that's a great question. I I have asked some dealers what, if any, feedback they've gotten from their uh, manufacturer about the way they're doing business. And across the board, the answer has been none whatsoever. And and I think that's understandable. I think in this environment, the factories understand that they need to sell cars in any manner possible. But what remains to be seen is how much of this continues now that people seem to be coming out of their bunkers. And uh, it will be determined whether the manufacturers will be tolerant of new forms of retailing that doesn't uh, showcase the facility and all the brand imagery that goes along with that. So I I think that chapter is yet to be written. One other aspect of the sales process that I found a little bit striking, I happen to be one of those people that won't buy a car unless I can drive it, but I'm hearing that test drives may not matter as much. And I know you've been involved in some of the Cox Automotive webinars where there's been some discussion about how dealers are facilitating that. I guess two questions there, Dale. Why is it that test drives may not matter, and how might dealers facilitate that in the future for those who absolutely are like me and won't buy it unless I can drive it? Well, I think there are some people who need to test drive the car before they buy it, and there are others that won't. But once again, I've heard stories of how dealers are making test rides available in different forms, You know, one of which is Somebody takes a vehicle to a person's driveway and leaves it there for some determined period of time. And uh, others where dealers have had vehicles that are parked outside under visual supervision with keys in them. And uh, people can come. And again, the story that I related a moment ago was one where somebody would show their driver's license through the door to verify that they actually were who they said they were. And then they were pointed to a vehicle out in the parking lot that had keys in it. So again, you know, for those people who insist on a test drive, dealers have demonstrated amazing creativity in terms of fulfilling that need. But I also think that although people might like to have a test drive, if you give them the proper assurance that they have the ability to buy the vehicle without a test drive and return it without any questions asked within a reasonable period of time, that suffices for many other people. Are you seeing dealers providing that level of assurance these days? No question about it. The challenge of delivering a vehicle or selling a vehicle in a digital environment absolutely requires assurance and confidence on the part of the customer. And uh, return policies. And I guess the one other aspect of the sales process that's, that's kind of been interesting, as I've understood it, is appraising cars and 
you know, I, it seems to me that dealers are getting a whole lot more comfortable than they've ever been with the sight unseen appraisal. And I'm, I'm curious, what are you seeing in that regard, Dale? Right. I'm not sure that I would necessarily consider it to be completely sight unseen. Sometimes there's an inspection after the appraisal quote has been issued to the customer. You know what I'm saying? It's subject to some later form of inspection. But also, you know, today we live in a rich multimedia environment. And I know that dealers are having customers take photos and in some cases even take videos of their car where it can actually be seen and even heard in terms of the engine running. So again, you know, this COVID environment has uh, driven a lot of creativity in terms of how we did processes that otherwise would have been unimaginable. Speaking of that, of processes that might have been unimaginable, yesterday we did that Cox Automotive webinar and it addressed the ways that DMVs, dealers, and even lenders are speeding up what is oftentimes kind of a hair-pulling process to get titles on cars so dealers can sell them. What, what struck you about that, Dale? And I guess, are you, do you sense that what the movement there may last and stick with us? I think it has to last, Lance, because, you know, we've spoken for quite some time now about the challenge of the industry in terms of the shrinking margins. And the only way that dealers are going to thrive in this compressed margin environment is to find ways to make processes connected with selling and delivering a vehicle more efficient. And technology holds that promise. And yes, yesterday we spoke at length with Kate Gavin, who is the vice president of operations for our titling and registration process. And today, the fact is that technology exists for most dealers in most states that allow them to electronically uh, license and title a vehicle, which almost in some cases completely eliminates the need for human effort and also importantly speeds up the process of converting contracts to cash and you know issuance of, of titles to customers and or to lien holders. So all around from a cost efficiency, a cash management perspective, license and titling registration processes uh, done in an automated fashion makes sense at every level. Now, this may be a point to segue to the second half here of our conversation, Dale, on things that probably won't change. You just mentioned margin compression. Do you think that's just going to continue to accelerate, or are we seeing, you know, perhaps with some of these improvements efficiency-wise in the dealership that maybe it'll ease a little bit for dealers? What's your sense there? Well, I don't think that gross margin compression will ease. I expect that to continue to be a problem. But I think the net profit efficiency has all sorts of opportunity for improvement using tools of technology and digitization. So, you know, margin compression at the gross level continue, but with creativity and ingenuity and technology properly applied, I think net margins can absolutely increase. So perhaps we're on the precipice of a significant shift in focus from dealers away from front-end gross to the net. Is that what you're thinking? I would hope so. And I think our industry has been plagued for too long by dealers being hyper-focused on gross margins, which are important, but only can be managed to a certain extent. But it largely ignores what I consider to be the greatest opportunities for profitability, and that's managing the expenses of what goes on between the gross profit line and the net line. 
Let's flip the lid here, Dale. What do you see as things that absolutely won't change? And I guess maybe let's start with inventory. Clearly, you know, dealers will need to acquire inventory to have it to sell, both on new and used vehicles. But in terms of management of that inventory, do you see any distinct changes from where we are today or the best practices today will remain? Well, in any margin-compressed environment, management of inventory becomes extremely critical. These are depreciating assets, and unless they are purchased intelligently and processed through the reconditioning process in a very efficient, timely manner, priced with a great degree of efficiency, and sold with efficiency, these are the keys to making money in the business today. You know, I've said for a while that, you know, even before the COVID environment, Time is the enemy of profitability, and dealers really have to understand that making profit in the car business today is a game of inches. It's not one thing that can make a dramatic business change in terms of outcomes, but it's a lot of little things. And it's things that often dealers have had the luxury in the past to overlook when they had big gross margins. But now that margins are compressed, the attention and the focus really needs to turn to operational efficiencies. And when you say operational efficiencies, these are not things that directly show up on line items of dealer financial statements. They're processes that are done throughout the dealership multiple times a day, but to the extent that these processes are not performed, they're not performed in an efficient way, they're not performed in a timely way, the effect of that adds up to a hit to the bottom line every bit as much as a conventional expense item would that's not controlled. What about market data and its role in terms of dealers managing inventory and other aspects of their business? It seems to me that, if anything, we've seen an even greater focus on the part of dealers now, and I would suspect that nothing will change there either. Right. I think we've come a long way over the past several years in terms of dealers being more attuned to data. Data is critical in making management decisions that drive efficiency to the bottom line and being able to understand what the data tells you and then appropriately responding to the data. So it it is an information business today. Now, another thing that struck me as I've talked to dealers in the last few weeks is perhaps this is something that has changed, but maybe it underscores something that really will never change. But dealers' appreciation and understanding of truly serving the customer versus serving the needs of their own businesses, it seems to me that that what we've seen in the last couple weeks is maybe this relationship between customers and their dealers is strong, and perhaps that simply won't change. Dealers aren't going away. What's your thought there? Well, dealers are not going away. But to your point, I think one of the biggest cultural shifts that has occurred in an amazing short period of time of a couple months as a result of the need to do business in a digital rather than a physical environment is the recognition that you just simply have to give the customer what they want, when they want it, the way they want it. Because when you remove the aspect of physical control, the customer can absolutely, with a click of a mouse, just bounce out of your environment. And that's what they're going to do. The consumers today are so attuned to doing business on the internet in a variety of of aspects of their lives that they're just not going to tolerate or have patience for the old type of culture of the car business 
that would have said that we're not going to give a price unless the customer demonstrates all the steps or all the signs of buying. It just has forced us in an incredibly short period of time to come to terms with the fact that it's a customer-driven business and it's an internet business. And the, uh, the barriers to exit and entry are so low that unless you just give them what they want, how they want it, when they want it, they're not going to patronize your business. One of the things I've also noticed, Dale, is if I think back, it almost became a trope where, you know, change or die, adapt or die. But I think we've all understood that dealers are imminently adaptable. I don't see that changing, but I guess I'm curious, what's your sense about a dealer's flexibility and adaptability here as a factor that might drive success in the months and years ahead? Well, you know, sometimes it takes a crisis. And we've been talking to dealers now for for years about the need to adapt to the new internet digital consumer experience. And to be certain, many dealers have. And I think there's been a trend of dealers to come to terms with the fact that you have to do business differently. But I have to say that in the past couple months of this COVID experience, it has just thrusted the mainstream of dealers to that recognition. So to that extent, it truly is a silver lining. And, you know, crises are difficult and they present many challenges, but in some respect, maybe it's what we needed to really shift gears in our industry from one that is very physical, dealer controlled to one that's very customer centric. It's in some ways, in my view, a blessing of a very difficult situation. That's a nice positive note to end our conversation, Dale. Thank you again for taking time to join us for the podcast. Lance, it's always my pleasure. Thank you. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for this edition of the V-Auto Podcast. Until next time, stay well.